0: Let's begin today's discussion.
1: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones.
0: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to Hamlet Azarian. Hamlet is the CEO of Signal and uses his marketing technical and operational skill sets to deliver long-term, scalable growth to companies of all sizes. Over the past five years, Hamlet has worked as a senior growth advisor to pre-seed, seed, and Series A venture-backed startups for which he has developed playbooks, hired and trained the marketing and growth teams, and helped with execution. Today, Hamlet's going to be sharing the growth hacks that effectively and efficiently grow a startup and the fundamental strategies you need to know to set up your business for success, which includes content, outreach, SEO, and so much more on digital platforms. And these are things that can drastically increase your monthly traffic and ensure your business will thrive. We'll learn what works from a Hamlet's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Hamlet, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here today.
1: Thanks for having me, Stacey. Very excited yeah. to be here.
0: Well, I love talking all things digital marketing because if you do not know digital marketing today, your business will fail. Absolutely, 100%. Can you share how you got started being a digital marketer? What got you to the point where you're here today and you know owner of your business?
1: No, of course. So about 12 or 13 years ago, I was working at Saks Fifth Avenue as a merchandiser, as a buyer, and I was kind of frustrated. I was like, you know, here I am. I'm kind of living the dream in most people's viewpoint, but I feel like the world is changing at such a rapid pace and digital is becoming more and more important. And I wanted to transition my career. So I kind of left. I quit. I literally quit an amazing job I had in New York. And I said, you know what, I'm going to branch out and start doing digital marketing. So I transitioned my skill sets that I had as a buyer, which were predominantly around, you know, the customer and understanding who they are and really what the motivations that drive them to make a purchase and see how I can take that skill set, that psychology elements of it and translate it into online and See if we can kind of work on different marketing strategies, digital marketing strategies, content strategies to make it more effective and be able to relate to customers. Fast forward to today, Here I am specializing in probably what I would consider most people's craziest way of starting digital marketing, which is at the early, early stages where it's just an idea and no one really knows how to go to market. And there's millions of people you can go and try to buy your product or your service, but that's what we specialize in. So we work with the early stage startups and we help build go-to market strategies that can help build and scale their businesses and find the right customers that actually are willing to buy their product or service.
0: That's awesome. You know, what's interesting about your story is, you know, I think anyone can learn the tools to be a digital marketer, right? But you actually were so immersed in learning at a very early time frame in your life and in your career, all about personas. like was what drove you. You could look at someone at Saks and you could figure out exactly who that buyer was when they walked in based on how they moved, talked, what they wore, anything along those lines. So you actually have an edge over a lot of people because you have true insight on people.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really that, right? We all, at, at the core of what we do, particularly in marketing, is we don't, if we don't know who we're talking to, we can sit there and we can talk about the demographics, right? We're like, Hey, you know, she's female. She is, you know, 25 to 35. She maybe makes X amount of money, but all those are irrelevant. Those are just stats. Mm -hmm. I think what really matters is the psychographics. You know, what is truly motivating her? Why does she actually care? How can you make her feel? You know, why, why should she, understand and relate to your product and what what is the true problem you're solving for? I mean, that's what we really focus a lot of our content around is, you know, people sometimes will just write content for the sake of content, which I think is some of the biggest mistakes people will make. Okay. So what we really, really focus on is, you know, what is the content's role? How are you guiding them? How are you teaching them and how are you making them feel after they've kind of been immersed inside of the content?
0: Yeah. And, you know, today with content, I think, you know, people are overwhelmed when they start a business and they're like, oh my gosh, I have to do social media. I have to do a website. I have to do these ads. I have to do, and you're working with them at such their early stage where they don't even necessarily know who their brand is, what their brand stands for. And they haven't developed, you know, the sensibilities of what problems they're solving. They just know that they're like, I have a great idea. I'm going to take it to market. I'm going to make millions of dollars. So how do you deal with people and how do you get them, you know, set on the right path from, you know, day one? Oh,
1: yeah. you, you know, our customers really well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have the same customers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so what we do is we basically focus on really for them to understand uh, this is the biggest challenge, right? They all want to build something. They all want to build this tool. They want to build this product. They want to build this service or whatever it might be. So we say, hey, let's take a step back. Let's kind of sit back a little bit and let's really understand what is the pain point that we're trying to solve for and let's learn from the market before you actually build. So what we'll start doing is we'll do very micro experiments where we're, you know, basically trying to run small ads or small content pieces or whatever it might be through social and we'll kind of grab the customers into our funnel and we'll start you know having either talks or chats or conversations with them and really understand what is the pain point that this product is trying to solve does it mirror or does it match the reality is is 99 of the time what the idea was that we wanted to build that we initially started engagement with completely changes by the way yep. it, it evolves it becomes yep. something completely different but it becomes a it becomes a better product or a better service that we know that we can go to go to market with at much more efficiently. So this early customer discovery is kind of what we call it phase is I think one of the most critical ones in the super early early stage of any business.
0: And so, when, what is the first thing that you're going to do when you sit down with the client? So, what is your strategy? How are you going to you know unbundle? all the things that you can do for them and actually start digging up. Like if you can give our listeners an idea of, you know, their startup stage or maybe their business is a few years old or even older, what do they need to actually do to come and look at their business with new eyes to figure out how to do what you're saying?
1: We humanize them. So the first, first thing that we do is we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. is we'll sit down, we'll say, who do you think your customer is? Like who, who do you think this, what do you think your product or service is trying to solve for? And then we actually humanize humanize that, right? We'll build a customer persona or an ideal customer profile based off of what they're telling us. And then we'll actually go find these people. So we'll go find more and more of these people and we'll actually get these people on the phone with them. So they'll sit there and they'll talk to them. They'll showcase their demo, their product to them. They'll, they'll, we'll you know record this for them in most instances where they'll be having this conversation at the tail end of this when we've done like 20 to 100 of them that's kind of usually what we try to strive for we'll kind of pull it back and we'll we'll analyze all of this video for them and we'll say all right what do we learn like, did you, you know, is this really your customer at the tail end of this? Did you Does really someone
0: think... actually, is, did you actually build something that they want? Anyone? Did
1: you actually build something that they want? Or did, did you really think you were solving the problem? And you Did know... you create
0: more problems?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so once we've done this, you know, I'm sure you've done it as well. Once we've <laughs> kind of done this, um, this process with them, what we'll come out with is, okay, how do we iterate? How do we evolve the product? Is there things that we need to change or improve? But at the same time, we learn a lot. We learn really what the motivators for the customer are. What is the true pain point? What is the messaging that re- we really need to kind of make sure that's clear on both the landing pages and all the content that we're going out with? How do we approach them? You know, where are they? Are they on Facebook, Instagram? Well, you know, where are they spending most of their time? Um, are, how are they doing their research? How are they even getting here? You know, what are, what is the steps before they've even thought about this problem, you know, the problem or that they want to solve? Do they even think this is a problem? Like, Hey, are they even aware of this? Is this something that even bothers them? Whatever it might be, all of these different elements of data that we gather through these interviews is what really helps define the go-to-market strategy. Okay. And then when
0: they're going to market. Are you dealing with a lot of startups and since you work a lot in, you know, seed and tech and things along those lines who are doing GoFundMe and Kickstarter and all the different campaigns out there that they're also trying to say, no, I'm creating a product and a brand, but I also want money. I'm going to go and take this, you know, cool thing that everyone's talking about, which requires a total different approach.
1: No, no, we don't focus on that, on that group. So we're really, really focused at least on the base that we're focused on. In the pre-seed, which is where they've even raised, Mm -hmm. we're really, really focused on, hey, let's identify the persona. Mm -hmm. Let's identify the problem, right? Let's make sure what you want to build, because we don't allow them to build, by the way. Before you, what you want to build is going to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. And let's figure out how we can find these people at minimal cost. So we're not going to spend thousands of dollars on Facebook running ads, right? So where are they living online and how can we go and approach and find them? Um, typically, what we normally do, at least on the tech side, is LinkedIn is a great tool for us where we're able to kind of identify and target and do outreach programs for them. That's one avenue that we use. Sure. Another one we use is, you know, finding blogs that are industry experts in the space so finding the different influencers online either blogs and kind of doing the outreach to them because we know they're hubs that can help us find other people that we can kind of do outreach on and then finding similar type of industries that are also online and finding you know the people behind those organizations and beginning outreach process for them so those are the two or three typical go to tactics that we always do
0: And so you've done this, you've validated the business. Like if you, if you're an app developer out there, you know, you're pre MVP at this point stage, you haven't even like dug in and and developed it. Once you figured out, you know, there is indeed. A need for this business that you're not just going to go out there, try to raise money, invest your own money and be left at the end of the day, selling your house. Um, And you've, you've validated all of that. What do you all do then? So what's the point, you know, you, you've said, yes. People need. So we give in the green light. Yeah. Let's do this.
1: So we yeah. give given the green light. Let's do this. So this at this point we're now trying to figure out a go-to scalable market strategy while they're building the product. Right mm-hmm. at this point we have investor interest. We've raised a small round. Typically it's between half a million and a million dollars. You know that's kind of what they've raised at this stage. Mm-hmm. So now we need to figure out, all right, how are we going to build a go-to market that's scalable strategy? And typically what we're looking here are, is in the paid media side, mm-hmm. we're looking at Facebook you know, to kind of lean in a little bit there. We're also looking at Google search, Google display, YouTube. So those are kind of the paid platforms that we're typically looking at. On the organic side, we're starting to think about SEO. So we're starting to think about, all right, what type of content can we produce that's going to humanize the brand, that's going to be able to talk to their customer persona, that's going to turn them into thought leaders, and it's just not me too content, right? It's not what everyone else kind of wrote and it has actually a unique point of view that is kind of setting them apart from the noise and all elements of that, but it's searchable. There's actually volume there that people are, this is a true, true pain point that most people are talking about that people are gonna to come to their site. And it's at consideration, decision making of, of the process for the for their particular customer persona. So we're helping them think through all of that. And then the last funnel that we look at is affiliates. So who are other partners that potentially can drive traffic to them and bring, you know, overall quality people that would be interested in potentially buying their product or service. So.
0: And then with all of this that you're doing, you're actually laying the groundwork. It's not just like the now, because all these strategies you're doing are very th- much so things that make Google happy. Yep. So you're actually painting a landscape for them to have future success because it takes a while to build your content up. It takes a while to write blogs. It takes a while to just even write copy in your website that Google's indexing. And, but once it happens, like that's going to pay off for years to come.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it's we're building the pipeline, right? So that's, that's kind of how I normally explain it to them. I was like, Hey, we're going to build this giant pipeline of content for you. We're going to build this process for you. And Know that writing content today is not going to turn into hundreds of visitors to your site nope. right overnight, but there is a cumulative effect, right? Mm-hmm. So as each new content you're writing, as each con- new content you're producing over time, and what we've typically noticed, especially at this is like a brand new website, brand new website, no links, right? Nobody knows who they are. Uh, Lost
0: so. in the thousands, millions of websites
1: that are out. Yeah, we just born that, that day. Out there, <laughs> <laughs> let alone the hundreds of millions that were born prior to them. Right. So, in this massive sea, what we've not typically known, and we've done this multiple times, not just mm-hmm. once, we've taken these sites from nothing to over a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand visitors a month within a twelve-month period.
0: That's so amazing. We've seen
1: this trajectory, and. Right. What we've learned from this trajectory, at least particularly on SEO, because that's what we're kind of talking about right now, Mm -hmm. is there's three different elements that really, really matter, right? So it's all of the content. And we kind of bucket this into on-site SEO. And what we're really focused on is search intent, how you're different, how you're unique, how you're authoritative. That's very, very, very important, right? So it's critical. Without the content, what do you really do? So that's the first bucket. The second bucket is technical. So fortunately for a lot of our clients, you know, they're they're really good engineers. I mean they, they, they are they got the, the back end. Best. This they, is they, their skill set. They, they love have no
0: very <laughs> limited creative, maybe very little of like the like fun, pretty stuff, but all of those, you know, zeros and ones and ones you tell me hey, I want a fast software. fast
1: car, I want a fast site. They all make, make it, it, it. and They know okay. <laughs> how <to do> it. <laughs> so that <laughs> That's part good. is not that, that hard for them. So yeah. we're able to kind of get, you know, a super fast loading site, following all the best schema, image optimised, you know, yeah. uh, all of those different things that Google loves. So yeah. we're able to execute that mobile friendly and so on and so forth. But what we noticed is when they do the content really, really well, you know, and they do the site really, really well, but they're new, nothing happens. You know what happens? They're on page two. No. We're like, wow, I'm indexed. I'm on page two. We're like, yeah. but It's like on being on Facebook
0: two. and you have tons <laughs> of content on it, but your followers are less than 6% of them are actually seeing your content. It's,
1: exactly, exactly. It's like so so little at fish. Point, what ends up happening is now we need to build their overall authority. Yeah. So we need the right sites, the right influencers, the right blogs to start linking them back to them to start building that. And this process, you know, that I'm talking about content and then technical and finally offsite, all three have to work together. And on a new site, typically, realistically, if you kind of do them all simultaneously together, it's about six months. So around four to six month point, you start seeing an inflection point. And all of a sudden, any content you're producing starts ranking. And that's when we normally see that growth rate, right? So we're struggling, we're struggling. We're at 10 visitors a day. We're at 20 visitors a day. We're at 30 visitors a day. And all of a sudden, we're at 100 visitors a day. We're like, oh, remember when we were at 10? Oh, wow, we're at 200. Wow, how did that happen? Now we're at 1,000 visitors a day. So this cumulative effect starts kind of all kicking in, typically around the six-month mark as well, as at least what we have see.
0: Yeah, sure. Like, I started our blog back in 2012, and the company was launched in 2007. So- People just didn't do content marketing back in, you know, 14 years ago, even. And, you know, 2012, there were certainly people who were blogging, but it wasn't to the prevalence of today. And no one was podcasting at that time. No one even knew what a podcast was. It hadn't been invented. But we started doing a blog a week. And that was a lot. I was like, okay, I can do it. I can write a blog a week. <laughs> right. And then I started writing a ton all the time. And now we do about four to five blogs a week. And we have lots of team members who write them versus just me. But what happened was that first year in 2012, and I had forgotten about this until I looked back on my metrics, because we also signed up to HubSpot at that same time, because I was frustrated with using WordPress, trying to do the blog and to get the analytics, and it just wasn't giving me what I wanted. Um, And so with doing that, at the end of the first year, I I remember I was like, we've gotten like maybe like 400 people who've read our blogs. Woohoo! Who's going to read our blogs unless they're actually on target? We do pop culture partnership marketing. So I'm like, this is great. Well, we now have over 30,000 a month to read our blog. So it scales, but it certainly doesn't do that in year one. It doesn't do that in year two. You start growing. Right. And I'm so grateful. I'm so happy that I did this because our agency is positioned entirely different than any of our competitors. No one can even catch up. We have thousands of blogs that are out there. So much content that Google ranks us for. And we don't have to pay for advertising. So exactly. it's like worth actually putting in the human power hours. It's a higher cost up front to do that. It's a lot of work. But once you get it going, and if you get a system in place, it really does pay out forever for your business.
1: I think what you said is key here though, the system in place. And I, I think this is where people sometimes make mistakes, right? So I think what people end up doing and they're like, all right, I'm going to block out two hours on this day just to write. Life happens. That's not going to happen. That's just the reality of it. So at least what we've noticed and how we're able to kind of do this is, all right, you need to write your outline first because that's, that's relatively easy, but that forces you to do the research and don't worry about writing the content right. So you kind of write your outline. How are you gonna be different? How are you gonna be unique? How are you gonna to talk to your customer personas? Then you need to block out X amount of hours that you're gonna write and you're gonna do that separately. You're not gonna to try to do both together. You're not gonna write an outline. and You're not gonna to try to write at the same time. It's just not gonna happen. We already know this. So you're gonna block out X amount of hours for you. That's gonna be your. I'm only gonna write. You're not gonna schedule meetings before. You're not gonna schedule meetings after. You're not even gonna check email. You're not even gonna check Slack because it's gonna distract you. So you kind of block that component out, and then finally you're gonna publish it. So you're gonna. You know, that's that's the one that it's some people. You know, it becomes a little bit more easier because after you get going doing that a couple times, it's easy. I have the image. I have the publication, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that's how we encourage, you know, and teach in the early days of how to actually get a pump, a, you know, a production skill set going. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, what we end up doing for our clients is we kind of build processes for them, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll hire writers specifically that know how to write in their voice and in their style. You know, they're, they're the editor, but the writer is actually producing it. We'll we'll then at that point have designers that are creating the imagery and the collateral that's going to be shared on social and so on and so forth. We eventually build out a whole outreach team for them that are gonna do the outreach and are gonna go out and find other blogs that they can participate in or guest post on or other blogs that might link back to them or different places that they can talk on and the speak- speakers on to build their overall, their authority. Mm-hmm. So once we do these two or three different things, you know, on top of that, we produce a content calendar for them. So it's very clear. Everyone knows what they're working on when the deadlines are and what needs to be produced. and then it starts flowing in much easier. Very cool. Yeah.
0: And, and you have to do all of that. And I know it sounds like so overwhelming for everyone who's listening who might not, you know, be here to hire Hamlet today on this, but if you can follow the processes and steps that he just outlined, you know, getting up to the point where at least you're figuring out what you're going to write, your topics and, and creating skeletons, it really is just so much easier. And then once you actually create the content, you know, if if you write it at, at the worst, you can think about it as like chapters in a book, like what's the story you want to tell? And when you have five or six blogs put together, you have an ebook. And then when you have, you know, 12 blogs put together, you have a book. Like you can start like actually maybe more than 12, but, you know, you can actually start doing this. And a lot of people will write um, books like blog to publish, right? So you you blog to book. So you actually write out on a skeleton basis of what your topics are and you're walking through and you're covering everything. And then you have chapters ready to go. So there's really cool things that you can do with re, you know, re usage, re uh, publishing, repurposing all of those re words that I'm, I'm trying to come up with right now. No, no.
1: I mean, it's one of the things we end up doing with the content. We create these things called clusters, right? So what we'll do is we'll say, all right, we wrote these 10 to 12 articles. What is the real theme that we're talking about here? And then we'll build one theme landing page, right? So this this is kind of the core of what all of these are all about. And then that's what we'll focus on promoting. So now we have this one page that sort of contains tons of content, tons of content,
0: all your articles, all your brains. This is where this persona, where they want to go, where they can learn everything that they possibly want. And they're going to think that you're the best thing out there and a solution for what they need.
1: Exactly. And then we just go out and get as many links as we can and, you know, ways of promoting this particular piece. And what actually does is that as that content moves up in SEO rankings, guess what ends up happening. All of the ones underneath it start moving up as well. So not only are you now winning the more competitive keyword topic that everyone is trying to win for, but they're struggling because they're writing one article. You're coming in there with a whole family of articles, right? You have 10 or 12 articles. Each one are pretty long, you know, anywhere between 700 to 1500 words or some version of that. So now Google looks at you much more favorably and says, you are an authority. You you definitely understand this space and you've kind of organized it and made it much more easier for the user at the tail end of this to fall in this world and really understand every element about this topic.
0: And the word that you're doing, so you use the word cluster. So that means you're talking about pillar pages, right? For yep. blogs, so yep. for who's listening, who's heard the word pillar page, you've heard the word clusters, that's what Hamlet's referring to right now, um, of creating kind of the mapping brains behind your blog, where everything makes sense, and you might have one topic page on this page, and you covers all of these different insights about your company, and blogs, and services, and then another on another page, and Google's looking at that, and they're saying, "Wow, I'm going to give you like the Instagram badge, saying you know your stuff, you're an authority, and I am going to love your content and push it up to that first page, where you're only now competing against people who are actually paying for each of those keywords with Google AdWords."
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's one of the it's one of the main strategies we focus on: this pillar, um, pillar and cluster pages, right? So we definitely focus we focus on this. We teach this. We think it's one of the critical, critical ways of writing content today. Another thing that we've recently noticed, and this is kind of new, is it's been happening a lot, particularly it happened in the December core uh, core update. Um, is a lot about search intent. Mm-hmm. So Google has actually gotten a lot smarter. So what they're what they're now doing is, you know, a few years ago, this whole notion of rank brain was released. And what this is about is Google thinks they know what you really, really are searching about you. And you might search like a two word phrase, but then in that two word phrase in the past, you know, it used to be like, Hey, I really optimized for this two word phrase. So I'm going to win this two word phrase and it worked for a while. So that's what everyone was kind of doing, but that changed. So now what Google is doing is saying, okay, you're searching for this two word phrase, but what do you really, really mean? And where are you in this process? Are 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 you you
0: located? Awesome. Where
1: are you located? Where are are, you? Is this the first time you're searching this? Are you trying to learn about this? Right. So are you trying to buy this? Are you trying to, so they give you in the search results page, all instead of showing all 10 having the same search intent they'll mix and match it for you and they'll resort it and re-rank it for you and based off of how you click they're able to from that point on understand through your own actions what they should be showing up showing you for your next search results and it gets smarter and smarter so what we teach a lot of our clients is all right let's look at the search intent of this particular keyword you're trying to rank for? And is your content actually answering the search intent? So is is what you're writing about without what you're trying to rank for fit into the top two or the top four? And are you ever actually going to rank even though you wanna rank about this? Or how do you need to position this piece that you're gonna be writing about that it will be much better than the current number one, number two, number three or number four are? And why is it unique? And how does it answer the question a lot better than those those are?
0: So I know we're catching up to like the end of our episode right now. And I want to make sure that I have all of our listeners know how they can get a hold of you. How can they find you, Hamlet? Where should they go?
1: Yeah, of course. You can find me on LinkedIn at Hamlet Azarian. You can find me on Twitter at Hamlet Azarian as well. So I'm easily available. Um, Would love to connect and answer any questions that they have.
0: Awesome. And then before we go, so what are some, you know, if you had to say, these are the three things that you need to remember, what would those be?
1: I would say, we didn't talk about this, but I think it's very, very important. Okay. I think a lot of people get stuck on having the perfect content Mm -hmm. and they're worried about not even producing content, that's like the, that's the fear, right? Oh, my content's not going to be great. Oh, no one's going to read it. Oh, don't be scared. Like just write the piece, get it out there. You can always go back and edit it and revise it and make it better. I think a lot of people forget a lot of content production is that. Like, hey, you're always going to iterate. You're always going to improve it. You're always going to be making it better. So that's the first and foremost. Don't let your and fear there's,
0: And there's another, I'm going to interrupt us. There's another thing about that. Google actually rewards you. You
1: for updating yes. your
0: content. So mm-hmm. like. You can put just some content out there and Google's like, okay, got it. And then you go in and it's ranked you and you go and you put in new pictures or you change the structure, or you add some more paragraphs. Google-
1: you add a better paragraph. You're like, this flow doesn't work better and so on and so forth. And Google's like, thumbs up, it. thumbs
0: up. You're good, reward. You go higher, you go higher.
1: Exactly. So that, I think that's that's a big blocker for most people, right? Like, you know, we've seen it over and over again. It's like, ah, oh, they're not going to read it. No, just produce it. You'll yeah. You'll figure it out. So that's the first thing I would love people to remember. The second thing I would love to remember is, you know, you have to have great content, great. You have to have a great site, great. You also need the backlinks. All three things are critical in the process of this. Uh, I know that a lot of people get lost in all three of these different things. Don't try to do all three at the same time. If it's overwhelming for you, focus on where you're strong at, right? So if you're a really good engineer, focus on that. That's what you're going to focus on. If you're a really good storyteller, focus on the content production. Really, really focus on that. If you're really good social and you know how to navigate and build relationships, and that's kind of what you're strength on, then focus on building your authority and your domain authority. Wherever your natural skill strengths are, focus on that. And think about how you can offset the other two that you might not be good with, with, you know, through help you know, hiring the right people, hiring the right team members that can eventually come and kind of do it better than you because no one can do all three. Like there, the, this is a lot, right? It's a lot of three different worlds with a lot of three different sales sets. So make sure you're focused on what you're good at and make sure you hire the right team members that can help you in what you're not, focused, what you're not good at.
0: Right. Because everything you're talking about is just like still one cog in the overall operations of the business, because we're not even Saying here, here, founder of this company that you're starting up or Tiny Lean Team. You still actually have to have a service, a business, a manufacturer, whatever it is that you're building. So you still have to do the business side of it besides all this fun marketing stuff. And that's why you want to hire help when you can because otherwise you are not ever getting to work on your business. You're just working in your business. In
1: your business, yes, yes. exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So the third thing I would probably kind of be if I had to go back and look at every founder and that I've ever talked to is we talked about it early on is don't build. (laughs) So please don't build your product. Like really spend time and talk to the market. I've seen this so many times it's they built it and they're not coming. Yep. So this, this is not the field of dreams. You're not going to build and all of a sudden they're all going to show up. It just doesn't work that way. Right. So if you create an
0: app you're saying and you put it out there, it's just magically not going to just fill up with people?
1: No, it doesn't happen. Sure? Never happens. Never ever no. happens. No. <laughs> so it's very, very important to really spend a hard, it's hard in the beginning to really do the customer discovery component of it, yeah. right? Really spend time and validate the pain point. Really spend time, and understand the customer persona. Really, you know, be open I think some of this is the hardest part for a lot of founders is that they are so hundred percent sure that this is the problem and that they're solving it, and be really open and receptive to what the market tells you, and take that back. The really good ones who are open, who are can, can listen, right? Instead of trying to sell, because I think that's critical in these early days, is we're all as particularly really good founders, they want to sell, right? They, yeah. That's that's They're good at that. They know how to sell. So, but they're selling something that someone doesn't want to buy. And in front of you, they're going to tell you that, yeah, yeah, this sounds great. Yeah, yeah, I'll try it. I'll try it. But they never come nope. back and never try it. Yeah, so if gone. you actually listen and you basically tell them, and one way we kind of lower this barrier is we'll tell customers, we're like, you know, the, the best thing you can give us is your honest and candid feedback. Like, you don't need to pay us anything. Like, literally, you can use the tool. It's completely free for you. All we ask for in return is your honest and candid feedback. And right, when you're, saying the, tool,
0: that, when you're yeah. saying the tool, what is the tool that you're saying that you have?
1: Um, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. We, we, we are in the middle of all of this. So, and we were talking about the three pillars. We launched a tool called Link Signal AI. Mm-hmm. What Link Signal AI does is it helps you identify influencers in any given industry. So you can start going out and beginning outreach campaigns. So you can take any keyword in Google and re, you know see what the backlinks are and who are the influencers, who are the bloggers that are kind of linking to any position, one, two, three, four, and five, and gather the contact information and see what those articles are that have linked to these sites and begin an outreach process to connect with them. And this will be able to kind of build your overall domain authority. So we you built that.
0: And you're yeah. able to see other people's domain authority themselves kind of and, and see that they actually have figured things out and they're good to partner with. Um, they, exactly. they have their own blue badge basically from your system that Instagram users get.
1: Exactly, exactly. And we built this listening to our customers. So our customers were marketing agencies. Mm-hmm. So what we, what we did is we spend a lot of time talking to different marketing agencies and what we learned from the 50 or 100 customer you know interviews we did mm-hmm was what we learned from them is that some of them are really good at content and that's what they want to do, right? Some of them are really good at technical and that's all they want to do. And, you know, they'll kind of offshore content to someone else that's really good at it or let their client do the content, but they'll make sure they get the technical right and oversee the content for them. But they all hated this outreach component of it. Mm -hmm. And they really hated it because it felt like the wild, wild east is what I'm going to call it. It's not the wild, wild west. It's the wild, wild, because it was just, they didn't know. It's like, oh, it's a black There's, box. It's like, it is, am, am it, I it, supposed it, to get a ton of backlinks? What am I right. supposed to get? What, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> like, yeah. it's, so it's re- it was really, really messy. And what we started doing is we kind of built a Google sheet process, right? We didn't build a tool. We kind of figured out a Google sheet process of doing this. And we kind of showed the results. We saw it happen with client A that went to 100,000 searches a month. We saw it happen with client B that had even a bigger trajectory. And we're like, oh, this seems very simple. You can take a brand new site, go find people that actually know what the heck they're talking about in this industry, make them aware of this brand new site, right? Have them partner together and produce content together. And over time it works. I mean, it seems like an easy thing, right? So as we built this tool and we started building all of the functionality and we went back to our market and said, Hey, we have this tool for you. You want to use it. They came back and said, the tool is amazing. We believe in it. We still hate doing link building. So, so now you still have it.
0: You still have the job service that you can offer because
1: exactly. So now what it turned into is we layered in a new, uh, dedicated service where we do the link building for them and we show it like we don't, we're unlike other, what I would say outreach, Processes or teams sure. where it's a kind of a black box, where you'll be like, "Hey, I need backlinks," and they'll just go get you questionable backlinks, right? You're like, hey, "Right, like that." I really weird, want to be on this really weird article. That you're weird, like, weird really? You're like, I don't know if I want to be here. What we do is we're much more open book. Right? We're like, here it is. Here, here's the contact information. Here's who we're going to outreach to we'll do the outreach we'll come back and we'll say these are the different opportunities we think you should do this one and this one what do you think and then if they say yes then we'll help devise the content for them right we'll write the outline we'll write it in their voice we'll get it published on onto the site and so on and so forth
0: now should the the users your clients the people who are listening right now with backlink and and link building um Are they paying for this or are they doing this more as a relationship? I scratch your back, you scratch my back. We grow together because you're talking about early stage companies that don't have a lot of back scratching capability right now.
1: Right. So what they're doing, what they're really doing, there's a combination. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the SEO that tells you that. Unfortunately, what's happened is a lot of publishers have these things called editorial fees. that just, that's just the reality of what's happened. Right. Mm -hmm. and we'll present it to them we'll be like hey this publisher has an editorial fee do you even want to pay for it it's up to you we kind of leave that totally up to them what we're really looking for is more of the white hat right where they can go and their content
0: authentically organically
1: exactly so that's what we're looking for but in the middle of all of this people i mean it is what it is people will tell Mm -hmm. us yes we love it we think that it's a great company but we have an editorial fee if you want to post it like we'll present it we don't hide it from them we'll be like this is kind of what happened we know we did the outreach this is what they said it's either you want to do it it is a good site it looks good it it seems like your audience is there it has Mm -hmm. value I don't know if I would necessarily pay or not pay for it I kind of leave that choice up to them Mm -hmm. But we focus a lot of our efforts on more of the white hat approaches of how we can make them authorities in the industry, in the niche. You know, how can we make them speakers at different conferences or different meetup groups? Can we podcasts. get them on podcasts? Can we get them on podcasts? <laughs> yeah. Can we have them, you know, create a very white paper or something that's very unique in the industry so then we can go get large media coverage for them, you know, so different press that would cover them and so on and so forth. Well.
0: Hamlet, thank you so much for joining us and our listeners today. Really appreciate it. I think you gave some phenomenal advice and insight and, you know, there's no way in, you know, 30, 40 minutes that we can possibly cover all things that are so imperative for startups and and early stage companies of what they should be doing. Um, But I think you certainly showed quite a bit of it. and, And I think anyone listening knows that they now have some tools of at least knowing what they need to put in place.
1: Well, thank you for having us, Stacey. It was a pleasure and really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Says did I. Well, Hamlet, thank you. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week.